But I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing and uh, all of his goodness and all of his grace and all of his mercy. And I'm excited about the hour because I believe that God is doing amazing things and he is moving presently in the earth right now in the circumstances and everything that we're in. And for you guys that are here, you're new to the house and you want to know what we're about. Well, I want to tell you real quickly, you're in a house that's going to keep Jesus and what's on his heart at the very center of everything. You're in a place that believes in being led by the Spirit of God. You're in a place that believes this. We are better together. You're going to hear more about that this morning. That's going to be the title of my message, Better Together. But you also are in a place that believes in a God that there's no limits to. That there's nothing that he can't do. We believe, in, we believe in this house. We believe in honor. We honor up. We honor down. We honor all around. Every person in this room deserves honor. There's not one greater than the other. No matter where you come from, we believe in honor. We're pursuing excellence in this house. What is excellence? It's not perfection. Excellence is doing and giving our all to everything that we do. We don't want to halfway do it. We want to give our all to it to show God our greatest worship. And lastly, we are a generous people. We believe in that. We, we give generously. We live generously. We love generously. And we want that to be the values of our house. And it is the values of our house. Now, this morning's message I've been preparing for as God spoke to me. I'm going to be speaking to you this morning as we get ready to launch out something into a brand new, I believe, move of God in the month of October, which we're calling We Are Better Together. But I'm going to tell you the whys about that this morning. Why are we better together? As I was preparing this and thought I had everything in order, Waking very early in the morning, just got woke up, just totally awake, and everything that I'd been meditating on and wrote down in a sense had gone blank. I know that never happens to you. If you're a preacher, that makes you a nervous wreck. And I'm thinking, God, what's up? Are we going to do something different? What are you going to do this morning? How are you going to do this? Because everything and and I just had, uh, you know, I sat there and prayed, repented, thought, okay, God, I must have watched the ball game too long last night, got too focused on everything else, and, but everything was totally blank. And I thought it's too early for me to rise. I just wasn't feeling like getting up yet, so I went back to sleep and immediately went back to sleep and went into a dream. And God gave me a dream that I feel like I've got to share with you this morning for just a moment. And in that dream, I was in a setting like this, that we were having church. And while I'm preaching, somebody threw a pillow on the floor. And some of the saints just went and lay down on the pillow and went to sleep while I'm preaching. I, I mean, that's bad. It's a nightmare. And then a few moments later, I saw somebody over here that I, a big guy, that I thought we would have thought was demon-possessed. He's foaming at the mouth. And everybody's over there. We're rebuking every demon under the sun while this guy's foaming and, you know, doing everything. If you've ever been around something like that, that could happen. 
And I mean, it just went on and all the attention is there. And while I'm trying to deliver what God is saying, they're asleep and they're over there and I woke up immediately out of the dream. And I thought, okay, God, what's all this about? And then he starts downloading again the message. And it wasn't until I walked in this morning to come here that I felt like God gave me the interpretation of my own dream. And I believe this is what the Lord is saying. That many of the people of God have gone to sleep in the church. And listen to what I'm going to say. We've gone to sleep to the purpose of God. We come to church, but we've, come, we've just fell down. And, and I'm not talking about, you, you know, kids. I'm talking about adults. That we've gone to sleep to the purpose of God. I thought, okay, God, what's about that dude? And he said, we've been distracted at the sound and the voice of the enemy has distracted much of the church from their purpose. And we have gotten away from the purpose of God to reveal the glory of the Lord and to minister to his people and to see the harvest come in from this generation like we've never seen it before. So I want to declare to you something this morning. For everyone in this room, that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's a promise of God. What, let me ask this question, because you're already looking at me funny. How many believes this word is true? How many believes it's the infallible word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit as he moved upon men to write it, Right? Well, I don't know how many times in this book, this is what the word said. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The first time that's mentioned is in the book of Numbers chapter 14. In verse 21, and it was right after Israel was coming up out of Egypt, I think they had crossed into the promised land and God had given them, had given them a promise that I'm going to take you to a better place. And in that place, immediately, they begin to rebel against Moses. And God speaks out. Listen to what God said. But truly as I live, all the earth, is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, when did God speak that? He spoke that when, it, when a people he was trying to move was rebellious, wanting to go backwards. But God said, whether you go into it or not, the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. I'm saying this to dispel the fear of us that think we're losing our world. The earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. That means every continent. That means every country. That means every nation. That means every island. That means every people on it. They belong to the Lord. God ain't going to give this up to some enemy because you and I are being pressed on. We're just distracted by his foaming at the mouth. Hello, I'm just telling you what God said. So he said the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. 
In the book of Habakkuk chapter 2, at a time when Israel had been taken captive and it looked hopeless for them and God is going to restore his people, he told the prophet right. Listen to what he says. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. For the earth will be filled. Now I'm getting to where we're going, so just hang on. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. And you need to understand glory. Because glory is more than a cloud. We Pentecostal charismatic, we're glory chasers. Oh, uh, 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 oh I, see, I, see, I, I, I see feathers falling from the ground. We get real excited about that. I'm not opposed to those things, but if that's all that glory is, is a feather, I'm in trouble. Hello. So he said the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory. The earth is going to be filled with it. I believe it's, I'm, Zach's interpretation of this is like this. The whole earth is going to be filled with it, but not everybody's going to receive it. That's why they're going to know about it. It's going to be visible. It's going to be known that God is filling the earth, but they're not going to receive it. It's just the way it is. But notice the rest of the verse. He said, the whole earth is going to be filled. How? As the waters cover the earth. Over two-thirds of this planet is covered with water. And not just any water, but deep waters. Matter of fact, two-thirds of us is made up of water. If they put us in a dehydration machine right now, you'd be nothing bigger than an ice cube. Because we're filled with moisture. We're filled with, in a sense, we're filled with water. But he said the glory's going to cover the earth. Here's the last verse. Just so that you'll know, this just isn't, Pastor, I'm declaring what the heavens are declaring. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, when the prophet Isaiah said, In the year uh, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he said, I, the heaven opened and I saw the throne room and the angels were going around the throne. Listen to what they're crying. And one cried to another and said, Holy Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty or the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Whole earth. Whole earth is full. That's what heaven has seen. Either those angels are lying, but they're seeing the whole earth full. You and I are waiting on it. So maybe we're not looking in the right place. Or maybe we're looking for the wrong thing. I, I'm confident of this. Uh, me and Pastor had this conversation recently. Uh, that I'm confident of, of, of this. If I believe God is moving, I don't have to ask him to move again. That's not what I need to be saying. God move. What I do need to be saying is, Lord, what do I do? Because a lot of times God said, I've already told you what I'm doing. You and I just need to make some moves that open that up and begin to lead the way. So let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 20, 24, because I'm going to show you how glory, how God intended for his glory to fill the earth. Pastor, I thought we were talking about being better together. We are. But I want to tell you, this is the greatest reason why. I could give you a number, numbers of reasons, and maybe over the next couple of weeks we'll give you a number of reasons why we are better together because the Scripture says something like this. Two are better than one. 
I heard Adam say a while ago he was better because of Bethany. We all ought to feel that way with our spouses, and that's the way it should be. Because if we're not, we're empty. And just so that you single people know that doesn't leave you out, uh, because you were never intended to walk along single, it doesn't mean you have to be married, but you're supposed to be in a relationship or walking with somebody doing life. We are better together. We're better together if one falls down. Solomon said in all of his wisdom, you got somebody to get you up. If you get cold, you got somebody that can warm you up. If you get in a fight and need help, you got somebody to fight for you. Hello. So there's a lot of reasons that we are better together. So let's look real quickly. Oh, there's so many places I want to go to you now. Everything is opening up. He said, now in the book of Exodus chapter 25, thus says the Lord. Oh, I got to give you a backdrop. They've just come out of Egypt for 400 years. God said, I'm delivering you. God said, I'm bringing you to a land that flows with milk and honey. God said, I'm taking you to a new way of living. You're not going to live like you, like you have been living. You're not supposed to be living the life of a slave. You're not supposed to be living under hard bondage. You're not supposed to be living under stress. You're not supposed to be living under sickness. God said, I'm bringing you out of that, and I'm leading you into a new place. They're in the process of getting there. So they've come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. How many knows everybody the prophets have said for the last year? Prophets have said, we're in a Red Sea crossing. I think we're across, but you better understand what's going on after we get across. Hello? Uh, we got across, and he's covering up, the, covering up the enemy in the midst of the sea. Then he comes to Sinai, and he says something like this. He said, Thus, the, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, brass or bronze, purple, blue, scarlet, thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stone, stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate, and listen to this. This is a verse I want to get to. And let them make me a sanctuary that I can dwell among them. Now listen, church. We're wanting a move of God, and God says, I'm wanting a habitation. We're wanting visitation, and God wants to live in our house. God wants to dwell among us. This isn't new. This isn't anything new. This is originally from beginning. Because when God made man, he created an earth for man to be a part of. He was the last of the creation. At the evening of the sixth day, the epitome of, of creation, God said this. He said, I need relationship. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. 
None of the other of creation, even though man was taken from the dust of the earth, even none of the creation had the form, none of the creation had the DNA, none of the creation had the attributes of God like this first man that God called Adam. None of it. And so God dwelt with him in the earth. God said, I'm looking for somebody. I don't want to be a God up here in the heavens. I want to be a God on the earth that dwells among men. I want to be a part of their life. I want, I, I want to get involved in what they're in. And so God and Adam are walking along one day, and God looks at it and says, you know what, dude? It's not good. It's not good that you're alone. So what did God do? God took from Adam a deep sleep or put on him a deep sleep, took from him, from inside of him. He took a, a part and he created and formed this beautiful woman and brought her before the man. And now, as she comes, Adam speaks up. He prophesies into the future. And he said, now this is flesh of my flesh. This is bone of my bone. Listen to what he's talking about. He's talking about them doing life together. They're moving together. They're going to fulfill the purpose of God. If it's not good that he should be alone, then God didn't create for him a helpmate for no reason. Matter of fact, the first thing that God called her was a helpmate. You're the one that's going to come alongside and help fulfill the purpose of God because you can't do this alone. Even though you've been created by God, even though you've been born again, even though you've come out of bondage, I got news for my friends that are struggling in this place and for all of us in this place. Our peace, our joy, there's a lot of things dependent upon the relationships that we walk in. So he looked at him and said, it's not good, creates this woman. He prophesies into the future. He said, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife? How do you know he spoke into the future? Because he had no father and mother except God. Yeah. And the Bible says this, they were both naked and not ashamed. They were both naked and not ashamed. So what are they covered in? They're covered in glory. They're covered in glory. How do you know that? Because they have to have the same covering as the Creator. And this is what the Bible says. This is what the Word said. And about God. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. May I tell you, may I describe to you for a moment what Adam's clothing was? It was the glory of God. So what does the glory of God look like? It looks like the light that is reflected from the Father. That's why if you sail into the New Testament and go in the book of Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus tells those disciples to follow him, the first thing that he says to them, you are salt and you are light because you are clothed in my glory. But Adam sinned and it separated him from God. It separated him from the glory. So what does he try to do? He starts trying, number one, he starts trying to labor, to feel good about himself. He starts trying to cover himself to find some measure of identity. And it sets him on a path, even though he's been blessed by God to be fruitful, to multiply and lead all the earth. That very nature has been handed down to every one of us. It got started way back there. It led him into bondage. 
It led him into darkness. It got deeper. And God's people found himself for 400 years. That's a lifetime, many lifetimes, in a sense, for us. They find themselves in bondage, and God said, nope, that's not my plan for you. Slavery is not my plan for you. The trouble that you're dealing with is not my plan for you. You think for one moment God's going to leave his people in that place of bondage? That's not his plan and his will. He's showing us how to get out. So he says, come, I want to dwell among my people. But notice something he said, let my people make me a place. Uh, Well, pastor, I think we do have a place. Uh, Yeah, but that's really not the place he was looking for. Because if it was, it would have stopped right there. But it didn't stop right there because that facility was made up of skins that was really representative in a sense of flesh, of fallen flesh. And the only way that you could be righteous there was through the sacrifice of those bulls and goats and the blood of animals. And it wasn't the place that God wanted to stop. But then if you move forward, we have God. We have God raises up a king by the name of David that puts in his heart that he wanted to build a tabernacle for God. God, that tent will not work no more, so I want to build something. And by the Spirit of the Lord, that was instruction given to him by the Spirit of the Lord, he handed it off to his son Solomon because he was a man of bloodshed and war. And he began to build a tabernacle. Think about that. He built this beautiful temple made up of earthly stones that were laid upon one another. They were connected to one another. This wasn't some small project. That tabernacle, no doubt, was, I I don't know how comparison in size it was, but I guarantee you it was no small work and the project of those stones being laid side by side on top of each other that would eventually become a habitation For God to dwell. But while we're dwelling in stones, there's still people back at the tent. And we're going back and we're still throwing to the altar of sacrifice. Yesterday, while we were in prayer, here, just a few of us, and don't forget, we do have prayer meeting on Saturday at 9 o'clock, and hopefully some of you are still praying before church. We haven't quit praying. We believe in prayer. But Miss Piedat had a word. As we were praying over today's services, and I I hope I can say it like she gave it, a a picture that she showed. She said, people are going to a church of ashes, are going to a church of fire. And then she described what the church of ashes was. You know, ashes can keep you warm. They got enough heat in them, they could keep you warm. But the ashes is the move of yesterday. And many people are camped around the ashes of yesterday instead of camping at the church of fire, which we think of fire, we're always thinking about the judgment of God. But the reality is it's really a picture of the glory of God, of his power, and of the life. So you and I have got to decide, are we going to camp around the ashes of yesterday? Are we going to be in the flame of fire of what God's doing today? And if that was enough, that temple alone, it still, it was in Jerusalem. And of course, the enemy came in and destroyed that temple because of the sinfulness of the nation. Why? Because the people trusted in the temple. They trusted in that temple other than trusting in God. And God showed them. 
You're putting your confidence there. That's not where I'm at. And so it was torn down. They went into bondage for a number of years. God allows them to come back out. And they go back and rebuild the tabernacle again. But this time as they're building it, they get distracted. Because they're broken. They don't see it like it used to be. They don't see it like it once was. Matter of fact, he asked them a question, I believe it is in the book of Haggai. How do you see this temple now compared to used to? See, sometimes, if you're not careful, I was telling some of the guys this morning, I've had the privilege of walking through many moves of God. Many moves. I'm so thankful for that. Me and my, my family have me and Diane. I mean, God has allowed us to be right in the center of a lot of things that would blow your mind of what God was doing. And I don't look back to go back to that. I just look to that to say, thank you, God, that you've allowed me to be a part of so much. But nothing of yesterday can compare, really, to what he's doing today. So he asked the question, how do you see this temple? And he said, some of you don't see it as anything, do you? Because it doesn't look like what it used to be. Hello? And then he goes on to say, and what does it look like to you? Boy, that's a serious question. If God's asking you questions, he's not looking for information. He's wanting you to look at where you are. He's wanting you to take a look at where you're standing. They get this thing built. It's in no comparison. But then time passes. I don't have time. i got to do this quickly. They get into a place and now we go, from, we go from the end of the book of the Old Testament. Malachi and the last promise there was, I'm going to turn the hearts of the father back to the sons and the sons back to the hearts of the father. And then there's 400 years where there's no glory. A lot of activity. A lot of movement, but there's no glory. There's no open revelation. Prophets quit speaking. Nothing is happening in a sense. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because they've been prophesying 100 years coming, that a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Now God does something new. He prophesied, listen, he prophesied through Isaiah and said, His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with me. Think about that for a moment. He had already told them what was getting ready to happen. Now a great change is coming, even in the midst of when the old temple is still standing just like it was. And Jesus, the Son of God, would be born in flesh like you and I. Remember, he said, let them build me a dwelling place that I can dwell among them. And God chose to take on the form of flesh, not a building. I want to dwell among the people. I want to feel what they feel. I want to know what they know. I want to walk where they walk. I, I, want to, I, I want to be close to them that I can relate to them. And he put himself in this earth suit called Jesus, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, that would dwell among us. And then Emmanuel says, I'm going. I'm going. That's not enough. He finished the job. But he said, I'm going, 
but I'm going to send my spirit because I don't want to be on the outside of you. I'm going to put my spirit in you that wherever you go, there I am with you every moment. But it didn't stop in a sense there because the moment, the moment the spirit was poured out, this is what the word said. Now he rested in this thing called the church, the body of Christ that are the lively stones built together unto a holy habitation of God. Hello? Are you okay? She said, build me a place. Because I got news for you. You and I are still looking for everything to happen in this thing called a structure. Instead of happening through our lives everywhere we go. God said it's going to be different. God said, are you mean, pastor, we're going to quit having church like this? No, don't anybody get all fooled by that. We're going to have church just like this every Sunday. We're going to be here. We're going to, we're going to romp. We're going to shout. We're going to scream. We're going to holler. We're going to dance. You're going to worship. Yes. Hallelujah. So don't think for a moment we're losing this. We're not. But what we are, we're going deeper. And we're raising up, we're raising up life groups. That's what they're called. People coming together like you and I in a smaller setting where we can sit down and we can love and we can laugh and we can share our hurts and we can deal with each other, help each other grow in the Lord and walk through the things that we're dealing with. Believe it or not, I believe it's his plan. It always was. But we bought into the lie of the enemy. Let's just have a great service and let some hot shot evangelist come do what we are going to do. And maybe just one encounter will change everything. Yeah, I believe one encounter can change everything. But that one encounter, I've watched too many have a major encounter, walk out the door and go right back into the very life that they live. Why? Because they didn't know how to get out of it. John Kilpatrick said during all of the... Pensacola Revival, he said, I watch people at the altar. I watch families at the altar come. And he said, I know God was moving and supernatural things were happening. And they would go right back home. And as soon as they would enter their house, those demons showed back up. And he said, he realized, wait a minute. They're having an encounter, but they don't know how to stay free. They don't know how to get rid of that stuff that they just got free of because those spirits are still attracted to them. That's why some of you, you get free. You think, oh, okay, I got it. And then you go back. You go back to the same group of people. You go back to the same lifestyle. You go back into the same places. And you wonder why you can't stay free. So he said, build me a place. And church, to do this, it's costly. Notice what he said. Build me a place that the people can, that, that I can dwell among them. He said, let them bring me an offering. Those that are willing. I, I, I'm, well, it's just the word. Let those that are willing. Some of you are not willing. Some of you haven't bought in to what God's doing. Oh, I believe God's doing. No, if we're leading, follow us. Buy into what God is doing at this moment. Let those that are willing bring me an offering. Let them prepare me a place. That I can come and dwell among them. Now God shows up. God shows up. 
And, and then Moses, he's talking to Moses. God's making all these promises in this covenant with, with Moses. Turn with me to Exodus 33 real quickly. Because I want to show you why, why small groups. Why life groups? I don't want to call them small groups. Life groups. I got to get my language right. I want your language right. Life groups. What's the greatest why? Because God's going to dwell among us. Number one. Number two, his glory is going to be revealed. Now think about this for a moment. I want you to catch something. I've read this a million times and it just hit me. Hopefully you're going to grab it too. Moses had been called to the top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Y'all know that's picture. Or should. And while he's up there, he's having this conversation with God. And he says something like this in Exodus 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, You say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. He's talking as God speaking to him. And he said, now I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight, and consider this people as your nation. And God said, my presence will go with you. Listen to what he says. And I will give you a place of rest. And then Moses speaks back and he says, For how then shall it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Except you go with us, shall we, so, we will, so, we sh so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, listen, please show me your glory. I mean, what more could Moses need to see? He's on the mountain. He's in the cloud. The thundering and lightning is all around him. He's talking to God face to face. And he asked a question. Show me your glory. That sounds like the church. So evidently, he didn't know what glory was. And evidently, we don't either. Because God is among us. And this is what the Lord said. All right. I, I love this team. I love our team. They have no clue what I'm preaching. But every week their songs align with what? With what God is speaking in my heart. Listen to this. What, what was one of those songs we sang this morning? Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Isn't, isn't that what we sang, Miss Tanya? I, I think that's what you were playing. Listen to what God said, verse 19. Then he said, I will make, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. Wait a minute, I'm looking for a cloud. I'm looking for a feather. I'm looking for dust to show up. Please, I'm not against that stuff. 
I'm looking for something beyond what I know and I'm in his presence. And God said, I'm going to show you my glory. He said, okay, that's what he asked for. And he said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you of whom I, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and have compassion on him whom I will. For time's sake, I'm going to skip down just another verse because God just keeps speaking to me. He said, and the Lord said, here is a place by me. Stand you on this side of the rock. Shall it shall it be that while my glory or my goodness passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by, then I will take away my hand and all you are going to see is my back. And I thought, Lord, of all the things to say to him, you're going to pass by and you're going to let him see your backside. Thank Think of what he's saying. Moses asked to see his glory. God said, I'm going to show you my goodness. But he said, I'm going to show you my flesh. And the only thing that you're going to see is my backside to me, which reflects both male and female, because from the back, we are exactly the same. So God says in this place of humanity, you will see my goodness. Hello? In this place of humanity. But again, what is he talking about? The goodness of the Lord. You've got to look at the next chapter. I don't have time to read every verse. So look at what he says. Verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. He's talking about now. What's the goodness of the Lord? Why is life group so important? Why are we so much better together? Because it's here where you're going to discover and find the goodness of the Lord. Listen to what he says for the Lord will pass before you and will claim, proclaim over you that the Lord is merciful first thing he said I'm merciful well, what does that mean it's, the word actually means compassion it means compassion in a life group you can find compassion there's people here that have gone through some stuff there's some people here that your life is a wreck. We've even got a few scoundrels in this place. Few of you need to be locked up, but only by the grace of God you're not. Hello? But he said, in my goodness, you're going to find mercy or compassion. And compassion means I want to suffer with you. I want to feel what you're feeling. I want you to know you're not in this hurt alone. He said, not only is he merciful, but he's gracious. You know what that word means? You can find favor. That's simply what gracious means. God said, in my life groups, among where, my, where I put myself to reveal myself among humanity, this is what we're supposed to be showing. It's the mercy the favor of God. You can come and find it here. This is where honor comes from. Not only did he say that, he said, I am long, everybody say it with me, long suffering. You see, I can demand you to get straight in a moment. 
And I can put a demand on you that you ought to change overnight. But God said, I long suffering. In other words, I'm very patient. I'm not letting you get by. But I'm not ready to throw a stone and I'm not ready to bring judgment at you. Aren't you glad right now the Bible says in the book of Peter that God is not willing that any one of us perish but is long-suffering toward us. He's long-suffering toward us. Not only is he he gracious and long-suffering, but oh, I like this. He is abounding in goodness and in truth. Abounding in it. Abounding, which means it's heaping up. His goodness is being passed to us. His goodness, listen to this, it just simply means all the great kindness of God. Even undeserved. Even when you shouldn't have had it. God abounds it on you. God abounds favor on us. Thank the Lord for that. God abounds his mercy towards us. And his truth which means he brings you to a place. Listen, friends, if your world is rocking, there's a place of stability. There's a place of which you can trust and you can rely on. He said, that's the place. But where is it found? You can't always find it in here. I know you come to the altar. I know you pray in here. And you should get this. But I want to tell you, I believe it's even more that we're better together when you're in the flow, you're in a connection with somebody, when you're in a relationship with a, with, with a group of fellow believers that have walked some stuff out with you. You just feel, I can, I can, I can rest. You remember he told Moses a while ago, I'll bring you to a place of rest. That's what he said. I, I, I don't have to worry about looking over my shoulder because I'm in a place that somebody believes in me and, and somebody's going to help me through. I used to go to do prison ministry years ago when I was in Kentucky and I'd go there I think once a week or every other week, something like that, into the minimal security prison and even into the big prison. Got to speak to the uh, people on death row one week and, and do that. But I remember in that prison as I would get to chat with some of those inmates I learned a great principle. I learned, Miss, Miss Marilyn, in that, in that there was good guys there. They just got caught in a bad spot. There were family men there. They let, they let their flesh get a hold of them. And because of their failure and because of their sinfulness, a, a judgment was passed upon them that put them in a prison. But I, my heart broke for them because I realized, I, you don't need to be here. You shouldn't have been here. The enemy trapped you. The enemy tricked you. But you're really, you're really a good person. You're really a good man. That's who I was dealing with. with. You're, you're really a good man that just got caught in a bad situation. You know, there's something about us doing life together. God said, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you my goodness. That's why. That's why it's so important that we do life together because I believe that's where God wants to reveal, where he wants to really reveal all of this goodness to us is in that place and he can bring peace to us. Lastly, and I'll close the jet down as the worship team is making their way. Psalms 133 says this. Y'all know this verse real good. Oh, I love this stuff. Behold, how good. 
And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But before you get to the unity, the most important part of the verse is how good it is for brethren to dwell together, to abide together, to remain together. How good it is. How do you compare good? How how does God compare good? I mean, he looks at creation and he said, this is good. How do you compare that? My goodness, in a moment, I'm going to go have lunch like you are. I don't know where I'll go. But if I have a hamburger, I'll really compare it to the last one that I had. Or if I had a taco, I might compare it to Piedad's and Alejandre's. Y'all know what that is. And I can tell you, they're good. Because I've had one. But how does God compare good? God can only compare good to himself. And I believe he would say it like this. How God it is for you and I to to dwell together. How God it is. You know how the enemy works most of the time? Even nature shows it. If I can separate you from the pack. If I can get you from the herd. If I can isolate you then the enemy can sneak up on you and grab you because the safest place that you can be is in the fellowship. It can be among the herd. It can be among the flock. Why? Why are we better together? Because we're safer together. We're watching... (coughs) We're watching out for one another. We're fighting for one another. That's what the word unity really speaks about. Because it's a military term. It's a military term of how soldiers would be positioned and how they would watch out for each other and guard for one another. I don't believe this was spoke by just some measly shepherd. I, I believe it was spoke by a warrior, by, by, by a king that had men that he fought with. My safest place is among my troops. I know y'all holier than I, but I watch movies like 300. I don't know why this movie comes to me right now, and their enemies are always bigger than they are. It's these 300 Spartans, muscled up like I am. (laughs) Why are y'all laughing? (laughs) Good Lord, I'm hurt. (laughs) They got their shield. They got their sword or they got their spear. And it never failed that they went against armies of tens of thousands, if not hundreds. And their safest place, the command was given. Cover up! And they would get as close to each other as they could. And they would lift up those shields while arrows and spears were flying over the top of them. Even piercing, even hitting their shields say, Pastor, that's movies. Yeah, but there's a principle there. The safest place that we are is when we're together. We all go through stuff. You go through stuff. But he said, how good it is for brethren. Then he went on to say, it says the anointing oil that flows down. 
There's an anointing on it, believe it or not. What does the anointing do? It destroys the yoke. It lifts the burdens. I believe in these life groups. I believe the gifts of the Spirit ought to be flowing. I believe the anointing of God ought to be moving. Your gifts being used. It's what God intended. There's the anointing. Then lastly, he said, it's like the dew that fell or comes down from the mountain. It came down and it brought refreshing to everything below it. When I'm in your presence and I can get with you, this is what life groups ought to be doing. Releasing a freshness of life that I can go do life and if I need to, I'll come right back in, get back into the flow again, and go right back out. We are better together. But it's going to cost us something. He said, Unbring, if you want to live in bondage, go ahead. But it's not the plan of God. Pastor, it's just not my thing. It's, that's between you and God. But this thing is so important. It's not an add-on. It's not something we're going to do, and if it don't work, we're going to quit. No. We're committed. We're all in. We're just getting started. I know right now, somebody said, Pastor, you don't have enough leaders. I know. But right now, we're just getting started. And we're going to do the best we can. We've already had to adjust, and we're going to be adjusting some more. So I'm going to ask you to be gracious. Be gracious. Give us a moment to get everything in order. To see who will, who won't, where, how it's going to work. And I'm encouraging you. That I believe God is leading Christ Church. To move from an event driven church. That we move to a church that's going to do life together. Hallelujah. I believe it. You can be in a life group with old and young. Matter of fact, I'd love to see it like that. You can be among singles and married. I'd love to see it like that. You can be white and black and Hispanic and purple and polka dotted. I'd love to see it like that. Because we're doing life. And we all got something to impart and something to share. Let those that are willing bring me an offer. Everybody has something to pour in, into life, and helping somebody 